Welcome to the Occult London Podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate us on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to this on, as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk, where you can subscribe to the show. Hope you enjoy it. In today's episode, we will be continuing our discussion on the seven planetary spheres by looking at the planet Mars. Mars is one of the largest planets in the solar system and has, since ancient times, been associated with fire, war and destruction. Mars is Gabura on the Tree of Life, as well as ruling the day of Tuesday from a planetary perspective which is Ter's day, and Ter is one of the Norse gods. Ma is also the archetypal masculine energy in contrast to the feminine energy symbolised by Venus, and so is normally associated with masculine energy, dynamism, victory, and war and conquest in general. Venus and Mars can be considered to be opposites from an energy perspective, so Venus obviously wants to attract things, and let things develop, whereas Mars is this dynamic and wants to go out and make things happen. Mars is the great action taker, the initiator. And this is something that David Rankin puts quite nicely in his book, um, Planetary Magic, when he says the following. Mars is dynamic energy, enthusiasm and resolution. The flame and heat of fire are its elemental expressions courage, strength of body and acuity of mind all typify the character of Mars. Besides these primal connotations, there is the sphere of fraternal comradeship as of brothers in arms who have shared many perils. This is the sphere also of engineering and all work in iron or steel and of the voice of the people since the day of Mares was anciently the day of public assemblies. Um, Mars is also um, often misunderstood um, as being a kind of planet of anger and frustration and war and destruction. And this is certainly true if we read descriptions of it. So, for example, from the Picatrix, which is a medieval grimoire of planetary magic, The Picatrix describes Mars as follows. Mars is hot and dry, an infortune destructive and the cause of evils. He signifies destruction, wicked deeds, depopulation of homes and cities, drying up and damming of rivers, fire, combustion, controversies, blood, all passions while they are being felt, bad and distorted judgment, oppressions, sorrows, manslaughter and all manner of destruction, demolition, lawsuits, wars, battles, terrors, discord between people, anxieties and miseries, pain, wounds, prison, misery, escape, litigation, stupidity, treacheries, and all things that are cursed without sense or reason, ordinary happiness, 
lying, ungratefulness, ordinary life, shame, encounters on the roads, landlessness and lack of solace, discords, sharpness and angers, doing things that are prohibited by the laws, fear, ordinary legalities, betrayals, all kinds of false promises and assessments, wicked deeds involving copulation with women in forbidden ways, such as those who desire beasts and other animals and strange women infanticide, and destroying living things and abortion, robbery, treason and deception, all manner of frauds, feeling miserable, brooding, thefts of clothing and shoes, highway robbery, those who break walls by night, those who break down doors, and evil deeds of every kind, as well as all things remote from truth and lawfulness. That's a quote from the Picatrix, which is the uh, one of the medieval planetary magic grimoires. Um, as you can see from that particular quote, it is slightly on the negative side. So, you know, pretty much if you can think something bad, they include it in that list. And, um, you know, everything they've got everything there from people who desire beasts, um, highway robbery, someone who steals clothing and shoes, which is obviously quite an interesting one. Uh, particularly when it's kind of grouped together with um, highway robbery and um, and also sleeping with women in in um, forbidden ways, which is quite an interesting one. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you kind of get the flavour of, of this uh, Mars as being this quite destructive, quite negative sphere. And, you know, don't get me wrong, Mars can be all of those things. You know, if we focus purely on the aspects of its kind of negative and destructive aspects, um, you know, that's what you'll get. However, it's important to remember that Mars, like Geburah, is the it's the power of the personal will and it's the energy that drives us to take action. So how we take action and what direction that action goes is entirely up to this, up to us. And this is really well illustrated if we have a look at the symbol of Mars. It shows a circle with an arrow connected to it. This is kind of this idea of the idea of vitality and energy and connection. It's shooting up from us uh, in almost like quite a phallic um, shape, but it's got this idea of vitality, action, taking action and shooting forward. Mars is always moving and Mars is also constructive and destructive in terms of its energy. All that matters is how that energy is handled. And this is something William Gray talks about in his Ladder of Lights book, which is quite interesting. He says the following. The sword of Mars is also a surgeon's scalpel, cutting out corruption, providing it is used as such while this is still possible. If Mars cannot succeed as a surgeon, then he becomes a slayer, and in each case his mission is that of saviour. As a soldier he has an invaluable lesson of discipline to teach us, so the symbol of the scourge is applied to Gebura, both metaphorically and literally. Unless we apply discipline to ourselves in some way, we shall utterly fail to handle Geburic power safely and suffer the consequences which may be unthinkably terrible. And that's a quote from William Gray, Ladder of Lights. So willpower is extremely important within the field of magic as it's because of through our willpower that we bring down this energy of the manifest into the manifest world. 
So think of the Magician Tarot card. He's bringing down that energy from the Ainsoft Hour through force of will from the unmanifest into the manifest, which is represented by the four elements on the table in front of him. He's drawing down that power down into the world. Our personal will connects up with our higher will, which is the true will in Thelema. And when the two is aligned, you know, there's nothing that can stop us from achieving victory. And iron is obviously the metal of, of Mars. And obviously iron can be made to, used to make tools as well as weapons. And um, you know, there's a famous hymn, a famous poem that talks about turning spears into plowshares. And, um, you know, that's quite an important idea from the Mars perspective. It's turning weapons into tools and both can do the same things. It's kind of channeling that energy, which could be used for destruction, into something positive. If our motives are not aligned with that higher purpose or, you know, if we take on too much or I'm not ready, that's when you get situations where the energy of Mars can sort of begin to destroy or it'll kind of make you have to start things over again. So when I say destroy, I don't necessarily mean from a negative point of view. I mean more likely it will just kind of reset you. So it's a bit like snakes and ladders, the children's game. You'll just kind of end up going back a little bit and have to start over again. So, which is a good thing in most cases because, you know, that's how we learn. So we create things, we start things, then we get things wrong and, you know, we're told that's wrong. And then you go back and you get better get stronger so that's very much a, a mars aspect and obviously from the tarot point of view that would be associated with the tower um tarot card which is this kind of meeting of form and force obviously the force flowing out from um, netzak across to hod and hod representing the form netzak rep representing the force and the two together if it's not strong enough that tower just crumbles um so yeah, I mean, if Mars energy is not used consciously with that directed will, it can be in danger of being a destroyer through reaction. Um, and that's something that Agrippa talks about when he says the following. From Mars, constant courage and fortitude not to be terrified. Truth, a fervent desire of animosity. The power and practice of acting and an inconvertible vehemency of the mind. So what he's saying there is this constant courage and fortitude. Don't be afraid. Have that fortitude, have that courage, and that focused mind. And that is how you can channel this uh, energy of Mars into something really positive. Um, also remember that the planet of Mars is associated with the root chakra, which is often associated with physical survival, um, sexual energy and pleasure as well. And the solar plexus has also been associated with this sphere by some um, by some magicians and, and sort of experts over the years. However, it has been suggested that the solar plexus is, is also associated with the, the Martian energy, which is interesting if you think about the idea of, you know, butterflies in the stomach. Um, you know, representing when we're kind of nervous or scared or also things like go with your gut. You know, it's you're kind of going with that feeling in, in your stomach as being this kind of basis of where that is. From an astronomical point of view, astrological, sorry, it's associated with Aries, which is the sign of the ram, the leader, the warrior. Um, Aries always overcomes fear through this sort of fiery energy, very much a driven 
willpower. Um, and before the before the discovery of Pluto, Mars is also associated with the Scorpio. From a tree of life perspective, as I mentioned earlier, it's associated with the sphere of Gabura, which is known as the breaker down of things and also has the title of Pakad, which means fear, and the archangels Kamael and also Samael. Um, the angelic order is the Seraphim, the planetary spirit is Barsabal, and the planetary intelligence is Graphiel, and the order of demons is known as the Jugglers and the Deluders. I'm not going to go into all of those particular Kabbalistic um, correspondences. We did speak quite a bit about them in the episode on Gibura, so if people want to kind of check that out they can um otherwise you know I'd recommend um looking in various different books uh john michael greer's uh paths of wisdom is a particularly good book to check out if you want to find out more about the cabalistic side of stuff but there's also an awful lot of other books out there which i can recommend from a material perspective mars is the seventh largest planet of the solar system and the fourth planet from the sun and is the most similar to the earth in the fact that the day lasts approximately 24 and a half hours and it has a diameter of just over half that of the earth and the year lasts a bit longer though at 687 days rather than being covered in beautiful oceans and forests like our beautiful earth is however mars is the opposite so it's covered in craters rocky formations and looks very sort of fiery and warlike um, whereas almost 70 percent of the earth's surface is covered by liquid water mars has no liquid water that we're aware of and its surface is covered with bare rock and there's dust there's mountains and it kind of fluctuates from sort of high temperatures in the day to freezing at night um, it is likely that there may be water somewhere on mars frozen um, however, it hasn't been um, fully discovered yet. Um, if we stand outside on a on a winter's evening, um, so you know around this sort of time is good. Everyone's on lockdown potentially, so they they should have time to go and do that. Um, you can see Mars as a red, fiery, glowing planet, and one of its names actually continues to be the red planet. The colour red is due to the fact that the planet is covered in iron oxide deposits all over its surface which reflect the light and iron obviously as I mentioned earlier is traditionally the metal of the warrior, the swords and weapons um, but also from a magical point of view it was traditionally associated with protection. So if you look at some of the old grimoires for instance in the Key of Solomon etc they have an emphasis on using iron to trace the circle of protection and the spirits were meant to be um, particularly afraid of crossing uh, a circle that had been drawn with, an, with iron. Um, the Greeks called Mars the Pyrosis, or the Fiery One. The Babylonians called it Nergal. It was also known as Era and Ira, which was the Mesopotamian god of death. And yeah, Mars has a very thin atmosphere, so... You know, it's mainly comprised of carbon dioxide, nitrogen and argon gases. And unlike the sort of atmosphere of Venus, because Venus is obviously enmeshed in all this gassy kind of atmosphere all around it, Mars is, has a very thin atmosphere. So anything that is on there tends to be released, which is very kind of representative of how you imagine uh, a Martian warrior to be. They wouldn't, they're not going to store up any emotions. They're not going to, it's just going to be out, you know, action. 
Mars also has two moons. They've got Phobos, which means fear, and Deimos, which means terror. And they were named after the sons of Ares, the Greek god of war. From a mythological point of view, as we've seen from our discussion above, the majority of correspondences about the planet Mars are very closely related to the planet as a warlike and fiery energetic sphere, which can be used clearly for energy, but also to break things down and for the courage to face things. And the archetype of the warrior is very much key here. The warrior being both an aggressor, so obviously enabling things to expand, but also protector of the village, protector of the weak. The warrior spirit can be found you know, in all of us just by finding that courage uh, to do something that scares us, which is something that's really good to do on a sort of daily basis. You know, standing up to someone who's bullying you at work, for instance, or you know, doing something that terrifies you. Maybe um, you know, try try like going rock climbing, or you know, try a, a bungee jump or something like that. That's very much tapping into this energy of Mars, of you know, facing that something that's that's kind of scares you. Also, from a magical perspective, obviously, um, you know, people that are working on that spiritual work or you know, magical work. You know, in a way, we are spiritual warriors as well. So we are going beyond those, beyond the confines of the village. And, you know, as part of that process of initiation and training within the magical sphere, you know, it does involve going off into the dark forest on your own to find the secrets or the philosopher's stone. So no one's going to help you do that. People will point the way, but there are, you know, the hard work has to be done by the individual and you're born alone and you die alone. Um, from that point of view it's very much a transformational journey um of the self but paradoxically also everyone else as well so it's one of these great uh mysteries i guess of the one and the all connected um from a mythological perspective the majority of gods and goddesses obviously um follow that same sort of pattern so um we obviously have aries who is the the namesake of the star sign Aries and Aries was the Greek god of war and by all accounts one of the most unpopular gods due to his, due to his very unpredictable nature, um, aggressiveness and also really thirst for fighting and war as well as being extremely violent. He's also meant to have a very voracious sexual appetite. He seduced Aphrodite as well as fighting with Hercules Ares was very close for the Greeks as he had a, a lot of human flaws, um, which is nice. And obviously he was, he was later worshipped by the Romans in the form of Mars or the Roman god of war. And there's a, ho there's a Homeric hymn to Ares that I wanted to read out just to kind of give you a bit of a flavour of Ares. Ares, exceeding in strength, chariot rider, golden helmed. Doughty in heart, shield-bearer, saviour of cities, harnessed in bronze. Strong of arm, unwearying, mighty with the spear, O defence of Olympus. Father of warlike victory, ally of Themis. Stern governor of the rebellious, leader of righteous men. Sceptred king of manliness, who whirls your fiery spear. Among the planets in their sevenfold courses through the ether, wherein your blazing steeds ever bear you above the third firmament of heaven, hear me, helper of men, giver of dauntless youth, shed down a kindly ray from above my upon my life, 
and strength of war that I may be able to drive away bitter cowardness from my head and crush down the deceitful impulses of my soul, restrain also the keen fury of my heart which provokes me to tread the ways of the blood-curdling strife. Rather, O blessed one, give you me boldness to abide within the harmless laws of peace, avoiding strife and hatred and the violent fiends of death. And that's a uh, Homeric hymn to Ares. The next goddess I wanted to talk about with regards to Mars is the Egyptian goddess Sekhmet. Sekhmet's quite well known. She was depicted as a lioness-headed woman, often holding a papyrus scepter and an ankh. On her head, she normally wears an old kingdom headdress, which is surmounted by a solar disc and a, an encircling uraeus, which is the crown. She also sometimes has the disc and horns of Hathor as well. In Egyptian mythology, Sekhmet had lots of different titles, such as Great Goddess, Sacred One, Veminent One, She Who Dominates, The Mighty Flame, Flame of Retribution, She Who Purifies. So they all give us a good idea about this kind of um, Martian fiery energy. In Egyptian mythology, Sekhmet is a warrior goddess, so obviously looking after the battles and fighting, but she's also known as a goddess of healing. She's depicted as a lioness, and she was seen as a protector of the pharaohs and also led them in warfare, as well as delivering the punishment of the gods. Amulets to Sekhmet were thought to protect the wearer from a premature death, and there's an interesting story in relation to Sekhmet and Hathor from the Book of the Divine Cow, which is one of the underworld texts. In the story, Hathor, um, goddess of love and the arts, and Sekhmet have quite a close relationship and they can actually sort of switch into each other um, at will. In this particular story, Hathor actually turns into the goddess Sekhmet at the request of her father Ra, and he wants her to punish the humans who plot against him. So for three nights, um, the goddess Hathor Sekhmet is meant to wade about in the blood of men. And the Basorta begins at Hensu, which is now, was called also Heraclipios uh, Magna. Um, but Ra eventually um, actually takes pity on the humans that are left surviving after this incredible massacre. And he saves them by causing um, Hathor Sekhmet to become drunk on blood red beer and so she obviously gets quite drunk then forgets what she's doing and then she reverts back to being a love goddess so it's a really nice story showing that balance between love and um, force and sort of compassion and love and also that kind of martian uh, destructive energy so it's a really nice thing to hear about that the next mythological figure I wanted to briefly talk about in relation to Mars is the god Hephaestus, who is the ancient Greek god of blacksmithing, fire and metallurgy. Traditionally, Hephaestus is the blacksmith of the gods of Olympia, and he creates these magnificent palaces, armour and weapons, as well as jewellery. And Hephaestus was meant to have had his workshop beneath either Mount Etna on or in Sicily. Um, he was meant to have a lame foot, so again, he's, he was not 
meant to be you know the perfect god from a physical point of view which is quite interesting from the the martian aspect and to the romans he becomes vulcan Hephaestus has different titles including the lame one purifier of the guilty manifested of holiness divine craftsman maker of the ship of the sun and maker of glorious habitations he is normally depicted as a blacksmith holding a hammer pincers and wearing a leather apron and he's quite a good one to work with the in the Gabura aspects of Mars with the idea of the fire strengthening us. And I just wanted to read the Orphic hymn to um, Hephaestus from Thomas Taylor's translation because I think it's quite a nice a nice way of talking about this particular god. To Hephaestus, fumigation from frankincense and manna, strong mighty Hephaestus, bearing splendid light, unwearied fire with flaming torrents bright, strong-handed deathless and of art divine, pure element, a portion of the world is thine. All taming artist, all diffusive power, tis thine supreme, all substance to devour. Ether, sun, moon and stars, light pure and clear, for these thy lucid parts to men appear. To thee all dwellings, city tribes belong, diffused through mortal bodies rich and strong. Here, blessed power, to holy rites incline, and all propitious on the incense shrine, suppress the rage of fire's unwearied flame, and still preserve our nature's vital flame. And that's the Orphic hymn to Hephaestus. The last goddess I wanted to briefly touch on in relation to Mars is the goddess Durga. In Hinduism, the goddess Durga, also known as Shakti or Devi, is the protective mother of the universe and she is one of the faith's most popular deities. So acting very much as a protector goddess and also um, very much a battle um, goddess as well. So she's often depicted um, on riding a lion or a tiger and has multi-limbs that have lots of different weapons on them. In Sanskrit, apparently the word Durga means a fort or a place that is difficult to overrun. And as I said, she carries lots of weapons that she uses in her fight against evil. Um, she has different titles. So some of the titles of her are the unapproachable, the calmly invincible, radiant in battle, virgin power, patroness of multitudes, slayer of demon kind. And she normally carries a sword, a bow, a spear and other weapons of war. And obviously is sometimes seen as riding a lion, which is quite interesting from the point of view of our discussion on Sekhmet. Um, those are just a few of the gods and goddesses of, of Mars. There's lots of other ones you could work with and you could also obviously come up with your own um, particular archetypes. Um, you know, uh, other, other quite famous Martian type gods would be obviously Horus, um, from his warlike aspects you've got Maris um, the Roman warrior god Vulcanus and there would also be various different archetypal warriors you could you could work with as well so there's people like Boudicca um, obviously the, the tribal um, queen Joan of Arc Achilles Odysseus um, and obviously Lancelot from the Grail mythology who was obviously one of the the best fighters um, all of those would have relevance so you know check stuff out and do your research and see what you're interested in um 
from a magical perspective, as we've seen, the energy of Mars can be used for lots of different reasons, ranging from you know, increasing our energy. Um, it could also be beating competition or overcoming challenges or doing something that is frightening to us and having that courage to, to face up to it. Obviously, the planet is associated with fire and aggression. Um, so, you know, the energy from Mars can be quite fast moving and can be quite aggressive. So it's not always the, the best energy to work with if you want to do something really subtle. So uh, think about like a, a bull in a china shop. That's the sort of Martian energy. So, you know, be careful what you do with that. Um if you use it during a waxing moon, this, this Martian energy becoming very good in terms of building things up. Um, so if you're working on a big creative project, it can be really useful um, from that point of view. If you need to kind of really plough on and, and get things done, um, it's really good from that perspective. Cutting out distractions and really focusing. Um, obviously, from a waning moon, it can be used to sort of, you know, remove, could also, go, again, removing distractions or getting rid of things that are not needed. Um as with the previous discussions, uh, you know, working with these particular planets tends to work better if you work with their particular planetary day. So it's Tuesday in this case, and also ideally the, you know, you want to use the planetary hour as a minimum. Um, in terms of actually working with it, you can obviously, you know, light a candle and just have a little prayer or something um, to the Martian energy. Uh, some some people use the Orphic hymns, which I particularly like. Uh, for that particular energy because you're kind of tapping into that ancient hymn and ancient energy from that point of view um, but there all are also other options you can do obviously we've spoken about the Higromantia uh, planetary prayers which are particularly good as well um, if you can't wait for the right day um, then you can also work with when the sun or the moon is in Aries as well so that would obviously correlate from an astrological point of view there's lots of different correspondences. Um, obviously, you spoke about iron, uh, the metal. Um, stones would be any kind of stone that's red. So famous ones would be things like bloodstone or agate, um, rubies, obviously, if you've got a lot of cash to throw around. Um, abramelin and cinnamon is quite good incenses to use. You can also use things like dragon's blood as well. And uh, black pepper and mustard seed and also asafoetida, which is a very kind of powerful um, very cleansing cleansing incense if you want to kind of really clear an area it's, it's it's kind of a bit like bleach from that point of view so that's all we've got time for today i hope everyone found that interesting in the next episode we'll be talking more about uh jupiter so moving on from the warlike mars and into the planet of jupiter and just to finish i wanted to finish this episode with the hymn to mars just to roll us out mighty unconquered fiery mars in strength rejoicing amongst the stars fierce and untamed your mighty power can make even the strongest walls to their foundations shake evil destroying king covered with gore dispelling the demons with your dreadful roar in blood and sword and stems you delight always ready to win the fight. Your power in the fields is also great to strengthen the crops and harvests you create. You lend your force to honourable men, your strategies victorious again and again. 
encourage my work to valour inclined and give success with benevolent mind. Thanks very much for joining us this week on the Ocalon and Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed it. Please make sure to visit our website at www.occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. Have a great evening. Bye-bye.